Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. This is the be- my favorite thing of the week, though. Oh, dude, me too, man. Me too, dude. All right. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm Eduardo Manteca here with Daniel Powinski. Hello. And uh, really excited about what we're going to be talking about, but I guess I'm always excited about what we're going to be talking about, right? So um, today we'll be discussing the meaning behind a specific nursery rhyme. And I know, Daniel, you're going to go into a little more detail about nursery rhymes and and the meaning behind them or some of these allegories or like things that we learned as, as children. And in this specific uh, nursery rhyme though, I think we're going to cover a lot and I'm really excited to cover a lot. And that nursery rhyme is row, row, row your boat. And so uh, without further ado, I'll let Daniel kind of, you know, speak a little bit about the origin of this nursery rhyme and other nursery rhymes and how they relate to the way we interpret this thing we call life. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I love that intro, like always. Um, yeah. And this is kind of an interesting, this was an interesting topic. Again, you know, we, we're, we're kind of like on this plan of topics we want to cover. And we, um, I mean, it's a rough plan. It's like a little sheet I've written out that's like chicken scratch. Um, but we have this plan of like podcasts we want to cover and then certain ones come up and we just kind of feel this urge to cover this topic because one, it's a great review about everything we've already processed and kind of gone over. And it's also kind of opening the door to uh, other subjects we're approaching. So it really kind of works as a unique one. Um, and I think that the picking of a nursery rhyme, one of the reasons why we decided to do this is because we have a lot of young parents, teachers that listen to this podcast, mm. and they've reached out to us about, you know, how do we educate our children on these esoteric hermetic principles? Right. And, you know, you really, you don't educate a child quite like you educate an adult, right? So we we talk about if, you know, if you sat down and I'm not saying the child wouldn't understand it, but if you were going to go over the seven hermetic principles, you almost want to approach it in a different kind of way. And what we're going to look at is these ways that these principles have been approached to us. And again, we have come in contact with them again so when when we do kind of come back around to them in life with a new lens, we see the bigger aspect right. of it. So that's kind of why we're um, looking at fairy tales and fairy tales and mostly this nursery rhyme. And that's kind of what we're concentrating on today. And again, it's just a great way to almost impregnate this idea of higher consciousness, truth, a moral understanding into a child. So as they develop, as they grow, they have these strong principles and these guidelines. It's kind of like Aesop's fables as well. You know, these are just guiding stories, nursery rhymes that are easy to remember that, like you said, have a huge impact on life. Um, And we also, we kind of go through life forgetting about these. Right. You know, we forget about the significance. And I think that's why, again, I can't wait to talk about like Saturn's and Saturn's return and its role. But I think this is why very much a lot of people, when they heard these, they heard it from somebody older who reconnected with the thing of this. Like maybe it was a grandparent, Mm -hmm. maybe it was an older teacher, Mm -hmm. but again, they got softer to it. And what they did is they got 
more connected back to it because that's what kind of happens with your Saturn returns. And we'll kind of talk about this whole kind of what this whole life is but a dream state is and how we go in ebbs and flows of understanding what the dream is and our role within that dream. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at um, for today. But I think uh, I think the first thing we have to do is before we start breaking this guy down is we have to hear a beautiful rendition of this song. And oh, Eddie is the, has the most beautiful one. We were in a punk band as kids. He, uh, he was the singer and he was also the coolest kid in school. So Eddie's going to give us, I put him on the spot too. I told him we were going to do this, but I didn't tell him I was going to give this big intro for it. But Eddie's going to sing this beautiful nursery rhyme for us. And then we're going to kind of go and break it down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. And uh, what I will do just to kind of actually make a point about uh, in regards to what you just said. So you said that an adult, sometimes typically an older adult, will be able to sing this melody to children without there being sort of a hesitation because of such um, standards that they have or what they might think others might think of them, which is what you just did to me. So that's what I'm saying. It's a perfect way right. of you introducing that to me. It's just <laughs> like, but I, I really don't, I really could care less what anyone thinks about my voice. But the the nursery rhyme would definitely be sung you know, in my opinion, more freely when I am singing it to a child, you right. know, which would go, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. All right. So, you know, it's not so much the keys that I want to hit, but I want to hit, if you're looking at me, I'm smiling while doing it. Right. Which is what I remember from when I learned it. And I was asking Daniel, um, when do you remember hearing this song? And I really can't think other than my mom, you know, my mom probably, she used to be a school teacher before she was a nurse, but my mom or, or teachers obviously in kindergarten or what grade do you think this really kind of Yeah, preschool or kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was early, yeah. early in my life. And I just remember, I mean, I've known this song forever right. part with a couple of the nursery rhymes and those classic stories. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was, it was definitely early. Yeah. And I think again, to make my point about like not caring, about the the way in which the the person singing sounds like but more so on the inflection of what they're trying to convey you know and that's what i remember is that my teachers would you know raise their arms and kind of get the whole classroom to do it you mean you're completely you know unaware of whether or not they were good at singing so for all those listening out there you're welcome every <laughs> and i love it i love it but yeah so um so yeah, perfect. I mean, let's just kind of go through. Um, so, and again, one thing we want to bring up is how this episode's going to go is we're going to kind of go over within it the exoteric and the esoteric understanding of this of this story. So it's going to kind of go deeper and deeper as we progress through this episode. So it's very much like an iceberg. We're going to kind of cover the first topic and kind of really just break down the lyrics and then kind of see how deep that base of that iceberg goes. And we're going to mm -hmm. go deeper and deeper down to really understand these concepts um, and just even just the idea of how important water and flow is mm -hmm. to the human experience and really what it represents. Um, and we're, that's going to be something we kind of cover. So first thing I say we do is we kind of just break it down. So right. um, I'll let you kind of start with row, row your boat. What do you, uh, what was the significance that pulls from you? Well, you know, I think if I go back to times that are difficult, which there's a lot of those, you know, in our life. And um, at this point in my life, I can say that, you know, it's probably not, you know, it's not over till it's over. And one thing that this song immediately makes me think about is, you know, the boat being the body that's carried down the flow that is life or the thoughts, which are the flow as well. And we are the, you know, the wooden ship. 
And I think that when you're rowing this, this ship of yours or, you know, doing your best to go down a path, we all know the path of least resistance. At least I, I do remember this even in biology that that's what the body does instinct, instinctually. I mean, it, it will try to find the most surface area so it can actually, you know, flow at, at ease. And mm. I think rowing your boat, you know, just putting a little effort into it because you are a living, breathing uh, individual should um, come with some effort, which is the row, uh, but gently, you know, and more importantly, down the stream. The song doesn't say up the stream, you know. Um, and I think that it is obvious if you want to really go deep that if you can see whatever is beyond the the uh, embankment or the the surface that's outside of the flow of water, you know, you want to probably explore it. You probably mm -hmm. want to get out of your boat and do different things. You want to maybe let your curiosity take you upstream, you know, and be a little vigorous with your strokes now. And I think so that that first part of the song, you know, is just kind of a gentle reminder of rowing gently down the stream. It's like, hey, before you kind of give yourself a heart attack or really take this to um, an unexplored region, you know, maybe there's a reason why it's supposed to go in this direction. And maybe it does require a little of your effort, but not every bit of your effort. Because, you know, towards the end, and I'll let you finish the other half of the song, but, you know, life is but a dream, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the, the rest of it is merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream, correct? Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. No, and man, I really love how you were speaking about, you know, the rowing of the boat. And it is, this life requires the act of will for you to row your own boat. And, you know, the boat does represent the body and the experience and that journey to kind of travel through. And the idea that we need to decide how we're going to take that direction and how important that direction is. And, you know, like you, I like the part where you brought up as you can't go too fast or life kind of passes you by. Um, but also you can't just stay on shore as well. Right. And it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, a wooden boat that's tied to shore rots away faster than a boat that's at sea. Like when it's just sitting there, it rots away. And that very much is a great metaphor for life right there, because that's true in that experience. You know, you can go too fast or you can not never, ever embark on the journey in itself. And again, we kind of decide you know, through that idea that it's really that rhythm of that row that is so important. And the idea that you have to row your own boat, you know, you can't, nobody can row your boat for you and you can't row your boat from anybody else. Right. And it's just that really important aspect of what that means and what that kind of means on the journey. Um, you know, and then the idea, you know, the merrily merrily aspect of it, I think really kind of alludes to the idea that you have a free will decision to act how you need to act. And, you know, you can't control always the circumstances. You can't control the waves. You can't control the wind, but you control how you react to those situations. Mm -hmm. And that's where we kind of get that free will principle from. And that's, um, that's really, really important in this whole, this whole understanding. Um, you know, and then we go even deeper, you know, what that, that boat represents. And it is, it's that the body, it's the self, and the interesting aspect of to row a boat, where you stand in that boat and how you stand in the middle of that boat, right? So you can learn from all your past experiences as you roll with that rhythm and that correct flow upstream. Um, 
but you're living in the present. You're living in the middle of the boat to row. So you're reflecting on the past and you're looking over your shoulder to make sure you go to the right direction, but you're not stuck in one aspect or the other. You're not anxiously waiting for the past. You are not living in the past. You're not right. living in the, you know, worry. I mean, anxious about the future or depressed about the past. You're in that current, that slow, that middle path that what you would call an Eastern mysticism or philosophy, that flow state of being in the now. And that's that whole process of finding yourself and being in the moment, knowing that it's in the moment that you can actually affect the change. Mm -hmm. That's why we talked about causality. And this is where causality comes in because when you're in that, what you would call that flow state or that, um, you know, aligned with self with that truth, you know, as I think, so I feel, so I act, that's when you're able to, you know, really direct where you're going in the future. And like we talked with that hero's journey, the more you travel down that that path and you do a good job of it, you're creating influence and mentorship for others. Mm -hmm. So again, you can't row anybody's boat. You can't do anybody's hero journey for them, but you can show them the rhythm and the discipline that you have, and that's going to help motivate them. And that's another thing we were talking about last week and just how important that aspect is. Yeah, no, I I think that it's applicable to all phases of life. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to always, I guess, incorporate in my life is thinking about how I um, handled certain situations that, you know, came up. For, For instance, one thing I used to joke about when I was a kid is my dad was very much an analytical person that would probably get mad at me for crossing the road and every car that could have hit me didn't hit me. So his anger would be, or his concern would be, you just gave into life and it just so happened that luck got you to the other side of the sidewalk. Beware though, because you won't always have luck on your side. And in that moment, he's kind of telling me about how if I, if I stay very careless or stay in a state of, of carelessness, you know, you will get hit by a car and then, well, what is all this existence for if you're just going to go ahead and and casually let yourself go, or at least, you know, put yourself in a moment of risk. And I understand that he's not wrong, but there's also something about how you approach that conversation. And, and to be more specific is don't try to defend yourself for living in a state of flow and getting to where you needed to get to when it's your boat on your stream. And I think that some people want to mimic whatever you have done or want you to mimic what they are doing to go down this path, which is what we call life, you know, and if you're going down the stream, people will tell you which way to, you know, steer your boat and which way to um, anchor your boat and which way to row your boat. And unfortunately, we let that happen very often. Very often people kind of feel discouraged to go down the stream the way they they are meant to go down because others around them are telling them you're doing it wrong. And it's very, uh, it's tough. It really is tough because it's a balance for sure. Especially like in the story or my interpretation of it between my father and I, it's like, he's my father, right? So he's like, you're my son, you're precious to me. But it was, it was kind of funny to me. I would giggle because I would, I would literally be like, you're so wound up that mm-hmm. you're not understanding that I knew I wasn't going to get hit by a car. And this never happened, by the way. I never crossed the road like this. But I did do a lot of silly things as a kid that made my dad just kind of go like, I don't understand like why you don't have value in this moment or value in this thing. And I was like, well, look, you know, I'm just flowing at my own rate, you know, and it's not your rate, you know. And and I think that 
yeah anyways go ahead yeah no man i think that's a that's a great way to say it and i like how you brought up the idea of you know the importance is you're making yourself better every day but again you're staying on your boat within your own boat with your own paddles and you're doing the work um that explains perfectly the social situation that we have today because what do we hear from the media about political parties about these organized mm-hmm. religions about this idea of money or scientific you know like the worshiping at the altar of this old science that we right. study now it's the work's too hard you can't paddle oh it's it's going to there's going to be big waves oh have you seen those waves where you should be really scared about them did you not see the news about the waves did you not see the news about the winds you're you're just not going to make it so what right. you should do is let us tow you. So just throw me the rope and just let me kind of guide you. But I promise you, I'm I'm towing you to the other side. I'm towing you to where you're trying to go. And that individual that's weak, that doesn't know thyself, doesn't understand that this is a personal journey, attaches themselves. And then what they do is they start to recognize themselves as this, and they will defend it at any cost. And this is the idea of how people will fight for these false ideas and Mm -hmm. these false things, and they'll fight to the death. And we've seen this happen since the beginning of time, but it's just they're defending that rope that's attached to a boat that's not theirs, and they don't want to recognize that they have to cut that rope, and they have to do this work themselves. So beyond even the idea of, you know, you can't paddle somebody else's boat, you have to make sure that you're in charge of your own boat, and that's so important. So I really like that you brought that up. Um, because they're telling you that the paddle's too hard and, you know, you're not going to find the truth anyway. So just follow our truth, mm-hmm. right? So just mm-hmm. join the party, red or blue, whatever color you want to be or whatever religious symbol you want to do. But just make sure you, when you see another boat, you don't give them any respect. Mm-hmm. And if we need the fight, we're all going to fight together. Right. Um, it's that divide and conquer kind of situation when really we should be on this this journey to find, you know, our own path and right. find our own rhythm and really understand again that journey to find ourselves and get to that other side get back home yeah i know well said i really do um i I completely understand your analogy of of the rope that is being thrown at us um at a very young age and suggested for us to just pull on and uh yeah i i know that when in this flow state at least i'm sure you know people who have succeeded by the standards of like you know why we as earthlings think of success, I suppose, you know, in this monetary sense of success, it's like, well, how did he get there? And we tried to all emanate how she, you know, became the best at this one thing, or he became the best at this one thing. And once again, you're wasting the precious time you have on that river, trying to emanate what someone did on the day that the wind blew such a way for them. And, the way they actually gently rode down their stream. Just maybe that's the only thing you should emanate is question like, did they do too much or did they do just enough of what they're supposed to? And most people will tell you at the end of the road, and I, I can tell you this by the people that I've worked with in uh, my geriatric career, which is seeing people at the end of the road, you know, at the end of life. And the frustration of the time they spent trying to mimic someone else's flow to get to the same um to get the same place with the same equal successes along the way, only to find out that what they did all along is what they were meant to do for themselves in their own boat, you know? And it's just, it's a rough thing to kind of realize that not till the end of your life, because when you get there, you're like, Oh, 
you know, I already see the shores coming up. The river is no longer going to flow um, from here at this point, and my boat is is literally falling apart. You know, and it and it's just that it's not going to. There's not going to be another opportunity here in this physical sense, and and that I was always hard to, to witness. But that was something I took away a lot from these people who they were like, "Hey, how old are you?" And I tell them, you know, I'm in my mid twenties, and that was the only thing they, in unsolicited fashion, would. Uh, gave me advice on. They're just like, hey, I hope you're just not banging your head against the wall too much to get to wherever you're doing. You seem like a pretty happy guy. So whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Although that morning I was like, what am I doing? Like this right. position that I have right now is created by uh, the company I work for. Like, I don't even remember getting a degree in this. Like I was breaking this own, like my own path down into such a like analytical sense where I was like, in, I'm not giving myself worth because no one in society has put a worth on this Right on this position, on this right. way of doing, th- on this way of rowing a boat. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like if this is what it takes for you to be in your success, then that's all you need to worry about, kid. Yeah. You don't have to worry about like if your strokes are three times as fast as the guy next to you. You know what I mean? But it's hard. It's hard to undo. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or of course, too. And they, you know, they tell us how to live, and they give us these what you would call like false idols for these these kids to be like, oh, that's what life is about. You mm-hmm. know, life's about being rich and famous, and I want to. I just have to get to the top. You know, like we look at, you know, Forbes top 50 and we just idolize them and we don't look anything about their character or the actions that they do in this world. Right. And it's just because we're, we're, again, we're told who our idols should be. Um, so I think this is the time to embark. Um, are you ready to go on the esoteric? I am. Okay. So perfect. So again, that was kind of the exoteric. So that's probably more of what you kind of um would hear about that that nursery rhyme and what we're going to do now is we're going to really take it down to those the fundamental principles and we're going to go a little bit deeper down this iceberg and just see how deep that this this actually information goes and we're also going to kind of connect it with another classic story at the end um so one thing we need to understand and one thing we really as esoteric occult students one thing i really want you to start kind of envisioning and seeing the connections on is the use of water and bodies of water. And from this idea, the stream, and we see stream a lot in Eastern mythology and in Western consciousness, like with the Freemasonic Lodge, they kind of describe this a little bit more as an ocean, but it's the same kind of principle. Um, And so water is going to be something we're going to really look at today and the significance of water. And on that note, we really want to bring up, and I know I brought this up before, the importance of etymology. So again, there's three ways to understand a word. There's the definition, and that's kind of the provided defining of the word that we are mostly all aware of. Then there's the etymology, and that's where this word came from. Okay, so this is the root of the word from whatever language it came from. So little cook from um, Latin, it could have come from European languages, it could have come from ancient Greek. Hindu, like all the different Islamic words, right? And that's where you kind of really start getting deeper into that definition. But one thing you also need to be aware of, and again, we've expressed this on this class, but we're really going to go deep into this understanding today, is the phonetic meaning of a word. So if a word phonetically sounds like another word, or you use the same word that has two different definitions, you have to understand that if this whole universe is a vibration and it's all electromagnetic and electromagnetic energy, mm-hmm. that vibration of the word makes up just as big of the definition as the actual definition. This is the vibration of the word. So really you want to do, and English is a great language for this because it's mm-hmm. a makeup of so many different languages. 
be aware when one word has multiple different uses. Okay. And that's something we're going to really look at today and how that experience works. And a lot of this stuff, when it comes to the understanding of water, will get you a better understanding of this whole conscious makeup that we find ourselves in. So again, whether you're through an Eastern um, mythology where you're kind of studying this more as a river or the Western mythology esoteric, like the Freemasonic, you're kind of studying this as an ocean, okay? And this is the ocean of consciousness. So this, it means more than just water. It's almost like if you want to take it up to the next level, it's like limitless space, Mm -hmm. okay? Like if you traveled out of space to a limitless location, and then you want to take that even deeper, it's the electronic makeup that constructs this five sense experience so we can go on the journey to find our soul. But it's all electric, and it's all about energy, okay? So when they're talking about an ocean or they're talking about a river, they're really talking about this energetic field that we find ourselves in and our role within that and how our energy is kind of connected to it. So the sea of consciousness idea is really this five sense makeup that we have that does act like a dream, but it's, and we'll get to it, it's the dream you wanted to dream. And that's what we'll kind of how we'll end this class period today. So a little bit of foreshadow. Um, but um, <laughs> I was teaching creative writing today, so we talked about foreshadow, so I wanted to drop that. Um, but really this idea of this ocean of consciousness, this ocean of potential, we always talk about cause and effect, about you know collapsing the wave. And right. how do you do that? Because the causality, you know, there's infinite potential. That's kind of that that yin factor in the um, in the yin-yang, right? It's that female limitless potential. And then that wave collapses. And that's, again, why we talk about that ocean of consciousness. If you ever see me and Eddie talking about like, and I collapse this wave because there's infinite potential, it depends on what waves are collapsing. So again, we're starting to see the significance of this ocean. And Eastern mythology is really going to study on this as the stream of consciousness and almost like the stream of thoughts that are mm-hmm. coming through your mind, how it's a, a constant stream from like the moment you wake up, correct? Right. Right. And we're really going to get into words and how important these words are. So, you know, just right off the bat, you talk about, um, well, what do you use to row your boat? You use an or, right? An or. Well, where else have you heard the word or? Or changes the direction of your life and your experience. I could do this or I could do that. Just like an or changes the direction of a boat, that powerful word also changes your ability to think. I can think this or I can think that. I can feel this or I can feel that or I can do this or I can do that. Right. Again, you're talking about the shifting of yourself within this ocean of consciousness, okay? So you are, again, you're traveling through this ocean of consciousness. And again, we perceive time as linear. So it's, um, but it's not. It's like this circle, like almost like this ocean flow. And even how, when we're rowing our boat, the idea of, and this is something that you kind of have to like, really kind of tap into that right side of your brain, but you are getting, as you row your boat, you are also getting pulled through time. Waves are collapsing that you can't go back to. You can't go to the past um, and you can't, li- you can't live in the future, right? You are getting pulled into this moment, just like you're getting towed. So you are getting towed, but you're getting towed by the universal pull and that's the flow. And that's kind of what you want to connect with, right? So this consciousness is the sea of potential mm-hmm. that we live ourselves in. And this is, again, why we want to be in the present moment and see all the waves that we've collapsed on our boat 
all the changes when we did this or that with our oars to change our direction to get us to the ending that we want to go to. Um, and as you're pushing that boat, right, what do you see from what does that boat make? That boat makes a wake, Awake. This is why when you pass away and you're at a funeral, you have a wake. You are looking at the fabric that this person cut through consciousness and the waves that they developed and collapsed. So this is a wake. So that's why when somebody passes away in the West, you have a meeting, you have a group setting where you have a wake and you talk about the experiences and the waves that this individual collapsed within their life. Okay. Take that a step further. What does a spiritual individual call themselves? Awake. I'm awake. I see my wake. I see the waves right. I collapse. I see my journey um, compared to somebody who's asleep. They're not even seeing their wake and they might not even be making a wake, right? Or they're seeing the wake that somebody else is pulling on them and that they can't see the future and understand how really this causality works. They're thinking that this wake that they're being pulled on is the wake that they're following, mm -hmm. right? But this is why in a funeral, you go to a wake. It's, the, it's literally the cutting of consciousness or cutting through the stream of consciousness that we're going through, okay? And so that's going to give you a good perspective of, again, how these words are used. And we can go into um, commerce and water, like we're going to have a whole episode on water and how it's, it's relations with commerce and how commerce is really the exchange of energy. Um, and really how this even applies. Like there's a reason why your money is a currency and energy is a right. currency, right? And there's a current. And we were talking about earlier, what controls the current will the banks do, you know? So again, you really want to be on the lookout when they're using words that repeat themselves. Right. There's usually a huge spiritual experience that goes with this. And again, what do these social engineers love to do? They, it's all about energy and it's all about taking energy and recycling energy for their own purpose. Right. But that's all we're talking about. And this is also why when you stand on an ocean or stand in front of a river, it doesn't matter what age you are, there's that moment of honest where you just find peace. And so many people are just like, I just need to go to moving water. I just need to go to um, a place of natural water. And this is what that calling is. Not only is it a beautiful scenario, it's connecting you back into that understanding that this is what life is. It's this huge ocean of consciousness. And you are a master creator. You are the music maker and how these waves collapse. And it's your three free will decisions as you think, so you feel, so you act, which is going to create the wake that's going to get you home, right? Um, and you want your wake to be a beautiful conversation. You mm -hmm. want it to be a celebration rather than like you were saying, some of these older individuals that you fall in line with, that you worked with, who were not proud of their wake because they realized that they were hooked up to somebody else or hooked up to some idea that never really represented them. And that's another thing. That boat, everything you need is in that boat. That's your internal self, right? They're going to give us, there's so many distractions of gold and riches and everything, but what are they going to do to your boat? That's going to sink your boat. You want to keep your boat light. Like again, have shelter, have food, have water, and make sure everybody else has that as well. But you know, there's a limit to it. You know, um, there's um, there's this great graph that shows, you know, there's a certain happiness that a human reaches when mm -hmm. they have food, shelter, and water. And you can't not have all three of those things and reach this happiness. Like, it's just something we need. We need food, water, and shelter. But 
The interesting thing about that graft is if you have double the food, double the shelter, and double the water, your happiness doesn't double. It just kind of slowly goes up because you get comfortable. But this idea in the West is, oh, if I'm happy with this much shelter, food, and water, if I times that by 100, I'm going to be 100 times happier. And the scale doesn't actually work like that. Right. You know. And this is, again, what brings us back to the idea of the boat, because everything you need is inside. Okay, I can't wait to talk about Wizard of Oz, because I talk about it all the time. But Dorothy had those shoes on from the beginning of that journey when she got into the land of color right? She just had to tap her shoes and she didn't know that the power was within her the entire time. It wasn't this fake wizard that was on the screen or the man behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And that's something we have to understand too. There's not an external savior. It's internal. Your connection with God, we really, this as above, so below. Not only do you partake in consciousness, you are consciousness. So when you get into that flow state, you're connecting with the energy that is pulling you and actually like towing you to where you're supposed to go. And it's just a fascinating thing. And that's, again, why, I mean, again, there's like terrible tragedies that are happening in this world, but it sound, it's very important for us not to fall down in that, our complex fear state and always be trying to figure out how we can improve this in consciousness and how we can overcome the situations that we're finding ourselves in with through that neocortex, that highest self, right. um, and connecting with that highest self. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny, when I hear you say this, I know that um, to, to kind of give you an idea of what I'm about to talk about. There's a, there's a way that, um, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson talks about, um, you know, do not hold yourself to the ideas of the past or the beliefs or traditions, but lean into the change. And one of the things that, and within reading that, that I, I like about it is it's really hard to convince people in the present about basically how not to feel like you're being negligent. So right now I think there's definitely a lot of, like you said, um, difficult things occurring in everyone's lives, but I don't think it's never been that way. I mean, right now it does seem a little more heightened, but what, one of the things that I want to keep telling people is, you know, within this state of your own potential or with your own abilities. And in this case, within your own boat, you can affect many more by leading the example of being on your own wake. So when you are awake and you are basically heading down the stream of of basically of the flow that you're supposed to be on, others can mimic that by just letting go. And I know a lot of people want to say, well, what do you mean by letting go? And there's a quote by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson that I wanted to read. And this is how I've kind of felt. And again, this is where I've been accused of negligence about how I'm affecting my surroundings, but I disagree because I tend to sort of live in a dreamer world, which is the dream that we are in right now, and just being happy about the fact that I have the opportunity to live in that dream state and do something good with it. And in, and this quote kind of talks about, it says here, it says, standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the Blith air and uplifted into infinite infinite space. All mean egotism vanishes. I become transparent, a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal of the universe um, being circulated through me, as I am part of the particle of God. Um, and I might have not read that correctly, but I just really want to get that message across is that 
you know, we're all sort of encompassed within everything that is surrounding us. And in the sake of the, the analogy or the allegory about this boat, um, you know, we are the boat and nature is the river. And I think, you know, we, we exist within together within as, as one. And I think anytime we've ever separated nature from that, um, and, and we become our own, uh, idea, you know, or just the I self, you know, you don't really find any peace or any harmony or anything good out of it because you're really not flowing within the the path that you were meant to be on. And mm -hmm. so that's why I like that quote is that, you know, learning that there is nothing more than just um, this infinite space above us and we're part of that and that we have um, this, this purpose here to really... Um, I wouldn't just say enjoy this existence, but this is where I was going back if I'm all over the place about negligence. I, don't let people accuse you of negligence because you are on this path of, or this flow and the way that you feel internally, um, you're doing your best. And you're going to get a lot of criticism for that. People are going to say you're not angry enough about what's happening on the shoreline right now. Mm -hmm. But what's been happening on the shoreline has been happening forever. Yeah. You know, um, and I, and I, I don't know. I, so I don't want to give any advice. I'm not here to solicit or to give anyone any advice. I'm just saying that is something personally that I've experienced within these, these metaphors that we're describing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, man, I love the uh, Emerson and again, the whole transcendental movement and would really recommend any individual really looking into the transcendental movement of America and Europe as well at that same time. But it's just this beautiful, it's really a good expression of us in the West kind of connecting with Eastern mythology. And um, I think they do a good job of honoring all the great wisdom that does come from the East. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful subject. And I really like the idea of how you describe the boat in the water as really one thing. And that's the aspect. We have this you know, this illusion of separation. And that's right. kind of what they talk about, like in Maya, it's that it's not so much this is an illusion and this doesn't matter. This experience very much matters. This is how your soul evolves. But the idea that you are tricking yourself to not know that you are the boat and you are the water at the same time, you are consciousness. And what the problem is, is we recognize those Saturn boundaries right. as pure existence and we don't transcend them. And again, Saturn makes that tough for us to transcend them. And that's why we have those barriers and we need those constructs for this experience. But it's so, so important that we understand that because we don't understand that our true nature is divine. Um, the same as the nature of the universe. We live cut off from this wisdom. So we have this veil that separates the material world from the invisible spiritual world. And we're fooled by it, but we don't understand that not only are we the microcosm, but we are also the macrocosm. And that's right. that misunderstanding we have, and that's what these transcendentalists did, and the Eastern philosophies did such a good idea of, is, no, you are one. And that's that oneness, and that's that universal idea. Um, and again, to kind of go break down some words, it's th that's the whole, that whole game and this operation um, keeps us divided. And divided is a very interesting word. Um, so what it divides us from is the source of us being shown who we really are. Um, and just breaking down that word. So die, die is Latin and it means God. So it's another word for God. So die is Latin for God. Um, and and vide is French. And I'm probably 
mispronouncing that, and I know we have some French listeners, so please, if you want to send me a voice note, it'd be like, no, you mispronounced that, um, means empty or devoid. So when we're divided, we're empty and devoid of God. And that's that whole situation. We're, we're divided, we're separated from that whole consciousness. And again, perceiving beyond this consciousness, understand that we're the micro and the macro. And again, this kind of comes down to that brain balance and why you need to activate that left side and right. that right side of your brain. And that's what sovereignty is all about. It's all about the idea that, you know, it's what makes you an uh, individual, right? An individual is somebody who is not divided. In is not, and dividare is divided. So it's not divided. So it's this whole experience that we kind of go down um, and it's really just kind of that idea of realizing that not only are we the boat, but we're the ocean too. And that ocean is much more than we understand. And we have much more of a say on what happens on that ocean. And I think that's a, I think that's a great way to kind of look at it. So, um, you know, the one, um, as we kind of finish up this discussion, I do want to kind of connect another story that kind of helps explain that last line, um, life is but a dream. Um, so we'll just kind of roll into that. Does yeah. that work with you? So this is a um, a very old story, and you find it in every culture. You find it in Egypt. You find it in pre-colonial Africa. You find it in um, well, like the uh, South American native civilizations. Um, and it goes by many different names, but this really will kind of help us understand that last line, okay? And the story either goes by the prince or the pearl, okay? And what this story states is there's a king from the east, and this location is really important. It always, it doesn't matter if it's like a really eastern country, like the kingdom is always coming from the east, who's going to send his son to Egypt or any kind of western area to find a pearl that's buried deep within the ocean, okay? So the son goes on this journey to find this pearl for his father. As soon as he arrives in Egypt, wherever the landing spot is, they give him a drink. And the son, when he drinks this and it touches his tongue, he forgets all memory of who he is. He forgets that he's the son of a king. He starts living just a normal life, um, starts dealing with low vibrational experiences, you know, lives a dr as a drunkard, as a beggar, low level of life, and just doesn't understand that that he's a king mm -hmm. and that he is more than this. And his father in the East sends messages, right? He does, he's never forgot about his son. So he, send his me he sends messages and he sends um, guides and maybe even sends like prophets and stories to try to wake his son up. And he's just trying, and it's again, it's those angels sitting on your story, um, always yelling like, "Awake, awake, awake!" Um, and again, this is a this is very popular in Gnostic mythology, and we'll kind of get into what Gnostic mythology is. But just you know, awake, 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 and then all of a sudden, the sun wakes up, and he goes and he gets that pearl that's buried deep beneath the sea. Which again, that sea represents that subconscious. He grabs that pearl retains it, which, and starts to make the journey back to his father. And this is really, really important for us to understand of this idea of waking up of the false dream that we find ourselves in and really understanding that this dream is about finding that pearl. Like we walk around, we walk around 
the whole idea of Rumi, how he talks about, you know, from tavern to tavern, I'm a walking around drunkard. What he's talking about is drunk with the idea that I'm not really seeing why I'm here. I forgot that my father's a king. I forgot that I'm a prince or a princess. I've lost this idea, this prince who has lost his identity. And this is the story of every conscious individual, even unconscious individual, right? So it's this idea of waking up from the fake dream, which is this nine to five rat race, right? Having your wake, having your toe attached, getting towed by somebody else, creating your own wake and really waking up from this false dream and living the real dream that you're supposed to experience. Um, You know, and really this aspect of going from this darkness that he found himself in and making that journey through the light. And again, he had to do it himself. He had help from these messages, from these guides, but it was really, really important that um, he was able to retain that. And to kind of touch on, to kind of further this idea of this dream, Alan Watts um, has this amazing lecture. And in this lecture, he talks about if you could dream any dream you wanted. And in this premise, in the breakdown of this lecture, he talks about if if you had the power to dream any dream you wanted, say you were going to go to bed tonight and you could dream anything you wanted. And you let's say you could, you know, because dreams don't align to the, the time fabric of our reality, you can live 75 years in an eight-hour sleep, right? So he speaks about how your first dream, you're going to just, you're going to get all the pleasures and all the experiences that you want. You're going to have the most beautiful partner. You're going to have all the riches, right? Because you can decide, you can define this dream and create this dream of whatever you want. You can have all these riches. You can have all these amazing experiences. And after two or three weeks, every night, living a whole lifetime of going through all these experiences, you're going to get, you're going to get tired of that. And you're going to move into this like adventure realm where you're going to you know, you're going to go on adventures in this dream time in these 75 years where you might be fighting dragons, fighting evil people. He has a great sign of like blowing things up, right? Like you're going to live this adrenaline lifestyle. Right. Well, you know, eventually all these paths that you would live out, you're going to collapse all these ways. You're going to live out all these experiences. And then you're going to come to a point where you want to, you're going to come almost come to create this new wrinkle where you're like, you know what? Tonight, I'm not going to know that I'm dreaming, so I can't actually have this experience. So I just want to know that I'm not even going to know that I'm dreaming, so I can control it. So then you're going to live these this new life every night, and you, you're going to do that for a couple of weeks. Eventually, after all these dreams, you're going to find yourself in this very moment where we are, with either your headphones on or this voice coming through the microphone, and you're going to be here. And this is what you're going to dream because. This is the experience that you need to find your pearl. Right. And you need to be aware of that. And we need to be conscious of that because this is what we're here to do. You know, this experience you find yourself in, it is a dreamscape. It is a five strict construct. It's a five sense construct for a reality. But this is the journey your soul needs to go on. And it needs to be your journey. And this is where you would collapse. Even if you could do anything you wanted, after a while, you would find yourself in this very moment trying to find that pearl. And that's just such an important aspect to kind of understand. And this story is something... This story is something that goes from the beginning of time. Like I said, this story's been told over and over. The story of the pearl, the idea of that king sending off his son, okay? And the idea that you're the son. There's a beautiful movie... Um, that we can kind of talk about. 
And it's such a good movie. And it's called, it's Terrence Malick, which is a director I talk about. And the movie's called Night of Cups. And the beauty thing about this is if you really want to understand the story of the Pearl in modern day sense and how this kind of works and what the experience and distractions are in our life, which really are is kind of what we talked about. It's this idea of money. It's this idea of fame. It's this idea of power, which none of the stuff you really hold on to anyways, nor does it fill your cup and actually, you know, satisfy the soul. He covers all this experience in just the trailer. He takes you through the whole story of the Pearl. And now if you want to watch the movie, you can. It's it's the it's a really elongated version of the Pearl. But Terrence Malick is one of the, the few individuals that you can say is a light occultist. So where you have the dark occultists, and we talked about this before, who make horror movies for the trailers to put those negative thoughts of, into your subconscious, Terrence Malick is aware that not everybody's going to watch his movie, so he's going to actually put the message of his movie in his trailer and watch that trailer. It's called The Night of Cups. It's like two minutes long and watch the experience of the journey and you'll see everything that we're talking about. It wakes up with an individual who is speaking to himself and he, he doesn't know where he was. He doesn't know who he um, he even was when he was younger anymore. Like he lost touch of that childhood aspect. He's living for experience. Okay. He's got an individual telling him that's a perfect line. Let me tell you about you and how Often we hear that in our society growing up from teachers to the media. Like, let me tell you about you, or even this like false science doctrine that's supported by corporations of, you know, let me tell you who you are. You're this, what do they call us? This parasite living on earth. Look what you've done to the environment. Look what you've done this. And it's the whole blame game that puts on us, right? Let me, let me define you for you when really a sovereign individual defines themselves, right? So that's just this great line. And then there's a female that whispers to him, you know, you're not in love with life. You're in love with experience. And you can just kind of feel it. And the energy of the song is just building up, building up, building up. And then it crashes. And again, you have the image of water and it's a wave. Okay. The first water you see in the scene is actually water coming out of his shower head onto his head. It feels very artificial, right? And that's kind of how we get this artificial spirituality and these artificial awakenings. It's not really true. And it's just these like placebos or these um, these fake awakenings where people are like, you, I would call that like social justice warriors who think they're actually helping out, but they're really just supporting another cause in that aspect, right? We have this, when, that's, when the beat kind of drops, we have this huge ocean and that kind of represents the rebirth. And also that idea of diving down for that pearl. And what that pearl means is, again, it's the, it's that it's that ocean of consciousness, but also your subconscious. And that's what he's diving down to that pearl to get. It's an internal journey, right? We know the prince doesn't actually dive down into the ocean to get this. He dives down in himself through his subconscious, learning himself, knowing thyself. And that's going to be able to what makes him obtain that pearl, right? And that pearl is self-knowledge. It's sovereignty. It's freedom. It's the alignment, the truth, right? And then that journey back to the king, which is really, that's going to really signify the idea that you have to, once you find this, the journey's not over. Now you have to continue and you have to hold that pearl right at your heart, make the correct decisions, align yourself with truth. And from this prospect in, the, the trailer changes and, you know, he goes from, this idea of there's like a quote in the background that says, once the soul was holy and it had wings and could soar to heaven, 
and he's almost through the end of it, he's having a dialogue with himself. Um, it's like his higher self talking to his lower self. And this is what that pearl is. And this is what self-knowledge is. It's peace. It's truth. It's understanding. And that's what you get from the self-knowledge, you know? And it, the last thing he's telling his higher self is telling his lower self is, you know, go from darkness and to the light. And that's what this whole journey is about. It's about going down, getting that pearl, coming back up, and then taking it back to the mm -hmm. king, right? The return to self, from lower self to higher self. And the idea that we are good individuals and we can do this by, and how we justify that and how we validate that is through our free will decisions and rowing our own boats. Yeah. Well said. I, I, I really couldn't agree more with everything um, that we've sort of covered it and i know we can break down um the way in which we can row this boat in life multiple times i mean we could probably do this in all i, I know i can dissect it um in many many ways but it is it is something that i, de I definitely believe is hard to not grasp but if you haven't lived it then it's hard to understand it and those who have lived it in this case are people at the end of their life which is why you will always find a grandfather being the favored uh, individual or grandmother of a young child because one is at the beginning of that current and one is at the end of the current and the one that's at the end knows that the child as long as he flows and understands that this life is meant for an experience that we are all here to have the easier you live that experience, the easier it'll be to flow down that stream to the end of the line to return back home. And I think that that's what makes things uh, challenging along the way is the distractions along the sides or the sidelines or even the change in, in, in the current of the water. But as Daniel said, we have the free will decision to make a choice as to um, how to to row our boats, you know? And, uh, yeah, like I said, I know we could just di keep dissecting this in so many ways. And I, I have several examples that I can tell you from friends of mine. I mean, I'm in my thirties right now, but I know friends of mine who I just can't find myself. I can't find a way to explain things to them. Not because I don't have a way of speaking that is understandable, but because I don't have a way to relay the message that while they're in their own boat, it's up to them on how they choose to flow down this stream and how to how to row it. And I have a lot of friends who've asked me, well, what did you do and how can I do what you've done? And once again, if you find yourself in a position like mine, um, you know, it's it's very tricky because you will find people who you've known for years desperate for an answer as to why they don't have happiness in their life. And the only answer I ever have for them is, look, it might sound selfish, but I'm doing what I need to do for myself to get to where I need to get to. You know, I've told a friend of mine when I started my video production company, I never started it for any recognition or any way of, you know, having someone admire my work, but more so I've heard, I think Yvonne Schnard, who's the founder of Patagonia said this before, but I, that's where I've heard this, but he says, you know, the cure for depression is action. So what I had going on in my current state, I had to change. And what that change was, was to be in so many ways more childlike. And that put me in ventures of, um, you know, in the case of like video production, but it was never for me. It was just to show other people that 
we can connect and that we can live this life less uh, of a serious and less of a serious um, fashion. And that's what's led me down my uh, path of, of what I do, whether it's within the arts or whether it's in a relationship with someone, is I had to just find what really worked for me in my boat and then, you know, hopefully be the example for others so they can also get to where they need to be um, with less turbulence, you yeah. know? Because I really don't have any other thing to say to them. I just, I feel bad when I see someone and I say, you know, what ails that brother, you know, because I don't know how else to say it, you know, um, you know, and it's rough, but again, I know not to get dark there, there's a positive thing about all this. And that's that we're all going to go. One of the most beautiful things to realize or to recognize is we may not know what happens after our physical body leaves this place, but we do know that it will. And so once you figure that out, you don't have much time to be upset about all the things going on. So if you can find a way to flow towards that end of the of the self, or at least the hard self, um, you'll find things to be a lot more beautiful in your surroundings. You know what I mean? The yeah. surroundings outside of this yeah. this river that you're flowing down, you'll be like, wow, that's, yeah. that's what this all looks like. Absolutely, man. And I think that raises the the importance, you know, we have to know thyself. This is the most important thing to do in the entire evolution of consciousness. Can we talk about it? You know, when you go up, you level somebody else up. And when they level up, you have the ability to level up. Okay. Um, it's, this is something we need to be aware of. And again, when we talk about that stream of consciousness and that ocean of consciousness, this, the turbulence of this consciousness comes from the decisions as an aggregate that we are making. And the individuals that are towed to the wrong boats are making these waves of destruction that's making it harder for us to go on this journey to return home to that king. So again, your ability to strengthen out, do your own path, become independent, become a sovereign individual, that also is lowering the lowering the stream and it's making it less hectic and less waves and less wind that's causing destruction. So the best thing you can do is to go deep within yourself, find yourself, go from darkness, find get through the light and make sure that you are doing the correct actions to know thyself. Absolutely. Right? Well said. So yeah. man Bo, it's like all aboard the truth boat. All aboard. Truth, truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh man. man. That's great. So good. good but yeah, stuff. all aboard. Um, and again, I would love for you guys are so amazing. And one thing we were going to talk about is maybe setting up um, like small group, like Zoom meetings where we can kind of talk about this stuff because this would be a topic that I would love to hear from our listeners because again, we have individuals that are new to the spiritual world and we have really, really seasoned individuals that are really dedicated occultists and esoteric students of whatever craft they are. Um, and both of you guys, when you guys give me, I, when you send me messages, there's amazing merit and there's amazing content that kind of comes within them. So we really do want to kind of make this more of a community thing. Um, and that's going to be something to kind of look out for in the future. But um, but yeah, we love sharing this information with you. We love spending this time with you. And um, again, high five through the radio raves, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, um, yeah, with that being said, till next time. Until next time.